Seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> you are listening to The Polk Experience. Welcome to The Polk Experience. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. And I'm Jack Cormier. And we're here to talk about the best things in Polk County. And today, especially, we're going to be talking about some of the best things that we've done over the last year. You know, there's been a lot of challenges. It seems almost uh, silly at this point to say it was a year of a lot of challenges. But with the pandemic and the rest, we thought it was best to have the managers sort of explain what they went through this year, helping the folks of Polk County keep the tourism industry alive here in Polk. Well, you know, Jack, it's an actually it's, it's fantastic to go back and take a look that even with this pandemic and the things that have happened in 2020, we kind of make light of some of the funny things that aren't funny uh, that have happened over uh, the last year. How Polk County and the rest of the state of Florida has been able to raise its level and bring uh, tourism back in some form or fashion here into the state of Florida. And especially when we start to review the things that have gone on in Polk County and how we've really done some things uh, that were leading edge around the country and what's happened as a result of that here in Polk County. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you think about it, you know, it almost seems old hat now where we talk about best practices and health and safety and all of this, you know, nine months ago, a year ago, wasn't even on the map. So it's, it's been a learning curve that uh, these folks have really pioneered. Well, you know, the old saying about building the plane while you're flying it, we, we actually did that here in Polk County. We, we literally built a plane while we were flying it and Luckily learning on the flight. we started at about 10,000 feet, and I'm not quite sure how close we got to the ground. But, but we got landing gear now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we, we know how we're going to land the plane at least. So those are the things about it. So we're going to have a great opportunity to talk to Mark Jackson, Chris Caprios, uh, Mark Zimmerman and Neil Duncan from the from the leadership team here at Polk County Sports Marketing and uh, Central Visit Central Florida. And Justin over at the Visitor Information Center, which is sort of our in-person outreach to uh, to people both from the county and without from outside of the county. So with all of that said, I hope you guys enjoy this uh, edition of the Polk Experience and uh, learn a little bit more about what actually goes on behind the curtains here. Well, welcome to the Polk Experience, and uh, we really, we've really been honored here. To, we've got Mr. Mark Jackson here with us. He's the director of uh, Visit Central Florida, and uh, he's uh, head of the shooting match here. I don't think I should have said shooting match, but we're gonna, <laughs> we'll work that out a little bit later. So, uh, I, when, welcome to the program, Mark. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure to be with you two guys. You know, and it, it is a shooting match when we have the uh, I, IPSC world shoot and some of our other shooting events here and some of the stuff that goes on at Imperial Polk County Trap and Skeet Club and some of those events there. But for today, we're going to keep it uh, no shooting match. No, no, shooting, no shooting match today. Yeah. yeah. Down. So Mark, you've been here a day or two. So tell us a little bit about your history here at, uh, at Business Central Florida. Well, it's, it, it's a long one and the program isn't going to allow me to do, do that. And some of the stuff we can, uh, we can talk about and some of the stuff, uh, I guess, unfortunately, has to remain confidential because of the business dealings that that go on. In fact, there's a lot of people that say uh, in the economic development world that uh, the old Navy saying that loose lips sink ships is certainly true in economic development and tourism, uh, particularly when you're dealing with very sensitive clients, you know, like uh, when we were in the process of recruiting Legoland. Um, that was a 
very hush hush quiet uh, deal that went on, but we uh, ended up uh, at the end of the day having to compete against uh, a major site in Missouri. Uh, I believe it was Lee's Summit, and then uh, three other sites in Orlando that were viable, high traffic. Uh, uh, tough competitors, but at the end of the day, because of the confidentiality, we uh, prevailed and uh, convinced them that this was the best location uh, for Legoland Florida, now Legoland Florida Resort. So uh, all things came to the fruition at the right time with the right people and the right atmosphere. So we're grateful for that. But, you know, the, the whole tourism initiative was started to uh, uh, back in the late 80s to diversify Polk's economy. The, unfortunately, the uh, citrus industry, because of a number of freezes, uh, devastating freezes in, uh, in the 80s, uh, was decimated and uh, certainly hurt the cash flow here, hurt the economy. Uh, when you couple that with the, uh, the fact that the phosphate industry had been losing jobs and moving south, uh, was devastating as well to Polk County from an economic standpoint, a job standpoint, uh, money coming into the county, being circulated. So uh, it was tough times back in those days. And uh, as both you guys remember, because you're not exactly spring chickens like me, um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, uh, back in the, the earlier 80s, the uh, interest rates were double digit. You know, people were having a hard time right. getting mortgages and getting business loans and so on. You know, when you're, you're looking at 15, 14, 15 percent interest. It was tough. So they looked at tourism as a way to uh, bring new dollars into the community. And that's the, the bottom line with tourism is that it's an economic engine that doesn't recirculate revenue in the community. It brings new money into the community. It's like bringing more money into your wallet. Well, who doesn't want more money in their wallet? Well, right. I do. I think you guys do, and everybody else does. Um, so, you know, the, the, the genesis of the whole tourism, and then ultimately in 1992, sports marketing. Um, I came from a U.S. Olympic Committee governing body, and uh, where I was a director of, of marketing and sponsorships and special events, and, uh, and then a private sector, which is private sector, and then uh, private sector before that, brought sort of a new. Uh, paradigm to the tourism and the sports industry. You know, this is a business. We're running a business here. Um, you know, people's jobs, people's lives, and the ultimately the uh, overall economic health of the community relies on tourism, uh, not only the state of Florida, which is our number one industry tourism is, but sports is number two. So that diversification was the goal of the, uh, the bringing sports into uh, you know, what has become Polk's largest industry, uh, and that is tourism. It's a $2.4 billion a year industry. A lot of things have changed. I remember our first year, we had uh, brought in 17 events, and now we're on a normal year. I believe our last uh, non-COVID year, we were 271, something like, just sports events. That yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, other things like Miss Florida that we've, happen to bring in but it's all new money it's all jobs and so we count our blessings every single day in Polk. Tell us a little bit more about the diversification and how that has helped now in this COVID environment this last year. Well Professor Cormier that's a tough question but it's a good question. Um, 
you know, the, the diversification of the economy back in uh, the 80s and in a, in a way through uh, some tough economic times still applies today. And I never forgot that lesson. Um, not only in my professional life, but personally too. You know, you don't put all your financial eggs in, in one basket. You don't, you know, put them in GameStop and, you know, hope things are going to work out okay. It just doesn't work that way in real life. So our approach has always been, and Kevin can speak to this too, because, you know, he's viewed by many as, you know, one of the gurus of sports marketing uh, nationally and internationally. You know, and I know he, he took the same track that, you don't want to put all your eggs in the baseball basket, which is our number one sport. You don't want to put it all in softball, which is our number two sports discipline. You don't want to put it into soccer, which is which is number three. You spread it out, and, and other sports like fishing, uh, gymnastics, um, and, and I could even break it break it down into larger categories: indoor sports and outdoor sports. So it provides you a hedge against uh, certain sports that may be trending up certain sports that are trending down, uh, the economies of certain sports. Water skiing, for example, is one of those sports, although we are the water ski capital of the world, and we're seeing a resurgence of water skiing and wakeboarding because of the pandemic, um, in terms of participation, they were heading down in a bad direction because of the cost. So the, the, the cost of certain sports, popularity of certain sports, ebbs and flows like the tide. And so the objective is to invest uh, our dollars into those sports disciplines and events that are going to provide the highest return on investment. Um, that's what we uh, strive to do. That's what we've been successful at doing. And the uh, professor's question and uh, that really what it boils down to is that uh, when you take a look at what happened after 9-1-1, after the Great Recession, uh, Disney did some pretty in-depth studies about you know, what sectors were um, going to be viable sectors for them in the future and what uh, was producing results for them through these, those tough times, economic and, and, and so on, it's been the sports industry. And it's somewhat recession resistant. So as we look at our portfolio of events, you know, we look at trends, we look at return on investment, we look at boys versus girls sports. Um, you know, the upward trend in girls participation in sports has been a trend that we picked up on real early. Um, girls have a tendency to bring more people with them when they participate in a sport than boys do. In basketball, for example, it's about 2.4 to 1.6 for boys, but they, they spend twice as much. And so as a, a stimulus to our local economy, what's a better investment? Doesn't mean we do away with boys sports because the quantity of boys that are out there is greater, but the impact per person per capita with girls sports is greater. So all of that diversification, and it gets really detailed in our, our strategies. Um, and some of the younger kids now, they, they don't understand some of that and why we do certain things certain ways. But that's, that's the objective. So that diversification is critically important. Even have certain sports that, you know, you mentioned basketball, but uh, cheer and dance. Uh, these girls come in and they are generally pretty well healed. Uh, in other words, they have a lot of discretionary dollars. Tennis is another sport that's up there that, uh, but if you don't have the numbers, you know, they can have the greatest discretionary spending on the planet, but it, 
if they don't spend it and um, you know you can't get the numbers in, then it's a moot point. Yeah, you know I think one of the things that that we've been able to um, really kind of dive into here in Polk County is the fact that the investment into the facilities and the quality and quantity of facilities that you've made over the over the years over the decades has has really um, allowed Polk County to progress as a sports capital or sports destination around the state and nationally. So talk to us a little bit about that thought pattern because it does lend itself uh, not only for sports, but all of these sports have meetings, right? So it kind of rolls into the next side of that. This is like, uh, <clears throat> it's like Professor Smith now. We go from Professor Cormier <laughs> to uh, <laughs> Professor Smith, but you know, like I said, Kevin is one of the most respected uh, sports marketing guys in the world and in the country, and we just happen to be lucky to have him. But, you know, the um, when we started the sports marketing in, in 92, one of the first things I noticed was a deficit in sports facilities. And so uh, analyzing what we had for inventory, uh, sports venues, and where we wanted to be, uh, way back then, I mean, that's 28, 29 years ago, um, you know, my thought process was if we're going to grow this into a national powerhouse and recognized uh, destination, we have to invest on the supply side of things. In other words, you know, we do a really good job with driving demand with everything that, uh, you know, the sports marketing team does. But if we don't have the facilities to host these events, um, we're, we were going to be in big trouble. And so from the very beginning, the thought process and the, the object, goals and objectives were to build up our supply-side inventory. And, and we've done that through uh, uh, Major League Baseball and we recruited the Cleveland Indians and, and built the uh, Chain of Lakes back up. Uh, Joker Marchant Stadium, we've gone through two rounds of improvements there that have kept the Tigers here over 80 years. Uh, so that was big, but the addition of new facilities and, and to, to bring it to the current time, um, you know, we're looking at uh, the, ad, the new Advent Fieldhouse. Well, we did a lot of analysis, a lot of research, and we just did not have the indoor facilities that we needed to balance out our portfolio of outdoor versus indoor events. Well, indoor events, you don't have to worry about the weather. Is that a good hedge? Heck yeah. So that was the thought process with that, and so we were able to penetrate that and grow the indoor market with the Advent Fieldhouse. Now that's open, we're booked through the end of the year. You know, what does that tell you about demand? Well, there's also um, part of our, you know, my research was uh, found through the uh, Sporting Goods Industry Association. They have a research arm that came in and did a study for me that uh, showed that the, um, uh, participation level in indoor sports in a 10-mile radius of Winter Haven, uh, the municipality that houses the Advent Fieldhouse, was at 65% of the national average. Well, who benefits from this? Well, the business community and our economy benefits from new or from sports teams coming in here bringing new money, but the local citizens benefit from a world-class sports facility because now they have a place to play. So instead of volleyball going to Lakeland or, or Orlando or Tampa to play, they keep the dollars here, stopping the leakages, and we're in a good good position. So that 
in, in that case, that was it. You know, probably the best in, in what has become for many a model, uh, even nationwide, is the Lake Myrtle Sports Complex. We managed it a little bit differently. We had a deficit in soccer fields, and, and back in the day, we only had two or three events a year. Now we have 20-some events a year, 20 or 30 soccer events a year, and they're major things. We went out and recruited first the Florida Youth Soccer Association, then we built the fields, and now with that infrastructure, with that model, okay, we're a hub for soccer in the state of Florida. We did the same thing when the Cleveland Indians left for Arizona. We put some money back into the chain of lakes to upgrade it, but then we recruited the Russmat Baseball uh, organization, which is the largest collegiate baseball organization in the country. And uh, they had sites all throughout the country from Arizona to Florida and uh, basically consolidated everything with the agreement that we would build um, five additional collegiate baseball fields to augment everything else we had in the county. Well, that led to four more fields out here at Lake Myrtle, and now we have nine collegiate baseball fields out here, and uh, it has allowed us not just for the six weeks of Russmat baseball, which at its peak was in the neighborhood of 200 and I want to say 80 or 90 teams um, a year or so ago, to uh, uh, recruiting uh, Perfect Game, uh, Wilson Premier. Um, you know, Kevin, you've done an unbelievable job with uh, uh, recruiting some of these other baseball organizations that you've had ties to. And I'll even throw another kudo out there in terms of uh, recruiting USA Softball Olympic team two years in a row to start their, uh, their tour out on the road to Tokyo. So if we didn't have this, this, the facility infrastructure to recruit these events, um, we'd be in really tough shape. So it's a balancing act between having adequate supply, which we've aggressively gone after, and the demand. You better have a good marketing strategy because otherwise you have a field of dreams. And when you have a field of dreams, well, they will come. No, they won't unless you have that marketing plan and the demand driving ability to put heads in beds and, and make cash registers ring. Yeah. Boy, that was a lengthy dissertation, wasn't it? <laughs> it was spot on. So post-COVID, right? Let's let's jump forward six months and this has gone away. With we're we're back to somewhat plumb. What do you see as the trends moving forward? You've you have been sort of a trend guru up until this point. What do you see in the trends? the other side of the pandemic well the, the the what i will tell you first of all to, to preface what i'm going to say is that when we went into the pandemic we already had a, a game plan we saw it coming the end of february uh put together a, a three-pronged plan to uh, address what could potentially be a disaster which turned to be a disaster that was step number one and that was that was a blessing beyond blessings for for polk county big part of that was an aggressive sports sales team and it takes human resources it takes talent um, these aren't just order takers these are ladies and, and men that are out in the field that have established relationships that that go back decades and sports has kept this tourism economy um, at a 
at a level that far exceeds what happened in Orlando, what's happened in Osceola County, and what's happened in Tampa and Hillsboro. Our numbers eclipse theirs significantly. And the reason for that is the investment, as Kevin said earlier, in the supply side of things for sports and the aggressive demand driving strategies and the human, the talent that we have here in people. You know, you can't do this without talented people and in a good solid game plan. So that prefaces what happened next. And, and what happened next is when the governor lifted the restrictions in um, June, the uh, team was ready to go. They'd already recruited uh, a significant number of events. And as we speak, um, from June 1st through right now, we have more sporting events on our schedule um, than we did last year during the same time frame. It is almost scary how good these people are. Um, obviously, you two guys are part of that formula. You don't hear me say it as much as I should, but if it wasn't for that, um, we would be in tough shape uh, and in as tough a shape as our neighbors over in to our east. And so, uh, and, and they're friends of ours too. We want to see them do well. But I think that the, uh, the, the current pandemic situation and post-pandemic, I, I don't see a spike in, okay, everybody's got the vaccine, we're ready to go. This is, this is the psychology of economics that people are hesitant to get off their wallets and to get out into the community or, or even travel, but we're seeing a difference here. And what part of that is the safety plan uh, that was put together that's active here that ensures the safety and well-being of our athletes as well as the spectators that are coming. And we haven't had one incident, so we've been blessed. Yeah, it, it really has been a, uh, a well-thought-out strategy and plan that's been put into place here in Polk County that's helped with so far the recovery going back into sports and tourism in general. Um, I think that that strength of talent comes from the leadership from above. So uh, we really do want to thank you, Mark, for, for everything that you've done here. Um, we want to thank you for being on the show, number one. Oh, that's uh, always a pleasure. I love yeah. coming on with you guys. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, ask me a lot funny. of a lot of hard questions, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah, yeah, we 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 like to think we're funny, and and sometimes we are, and sometimes we aren't. But uh, you know, we're the only ones who know. So, but we want to thank you for uh, for taking the time to be with us today and spending some time and to to let everyone hear about the importance of tourism here in Polk County and some of the things and some of the components that go into. Um, what people just take for granted and assume that people just show up. And we, we all know that that doesn't happen. No, that, that, those are called order takers. And uh, this crew, um, it all boils down to the talent that we are blessed to have uh, here in sports marketing. And you two guys, um, I hate to say it, but if it wasn't for you two guys and, and the rest of the staff, we wouldn't be where we are. So uh, that is – that. It, that's the bottom line. It's human resources and that talent that puts us in a position that uh, we count our blessings as opposed to our woes. Fantastic. Great guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome back to the show. And we're here today with Chris Caprios. He's the manager for tourism for Visit Central Florida. 
Welcome to uh, the Polk Experience, Chris. Wow, thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is great. Big time here. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it is big time. And that's what we should call ourselves, big time. Big time. Big, big time. time. That's our new handle now. So how long have you been with uh, Visit Central Florida, Chris? Man, it's going on, it's hard to believe, going on 20 years. Uh, I started as an intern um, back in uh, 2002, end of 2002 and early 2003. So uh, here I am. I, they, they never told me to leave, so I'm still here. Well, that, that's a good thing that they never told you to leave or they keep your key ke car keeps working at the door. Yeah, at least today it did. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. So, you know, you've been here for enough changes and things that you've seen in tourism over the years. And you've you've worked with a, a lot of different people in the tourism business. What are some of the short term uh, changes that you've seen in the local tourism market? Yeah, you know, this year certainly has, we've had our challenges, but, you know, we're really no stranger to challenges here in, in my time here. Uh, certainly, I, I was uh, still finishing up school uh, when 9-11 when happened, um, so I didn't see that downturn in, in the tourism industry, but certainly in 2008-2009 time frame, uh, part of that, and then certainly Polk County uh, had some challenges back with Cypress Gardens closing and losing uh, spring training teams. Um, things like that. But this year has, has certainly been different. Uh, it's felt different than those times. But I think the recovery is, uh, is, is, feels about the same, you know, even though it seems like it's taken a little bit longer. Um, it's from a tourism perspective, just in general, just the mindset of the, the traveler has changed uh, in a way that it really didn't before. Um, just because of the, there's the sentiment and the way they feel about travel is, is different because there's, there's a lot of uh, people that are scared out there traveling. Right. So um, we're seeing shorter booking windows, uh, changing in, in our marketing strategies, uh, being more closer to home. Um, the seasonality really is gone that we typically see for our destination because normally we're starting to see snowbirds and people from Michigan come down. That's not the case this year. So those types of things are different where they weren't different with those other challenges we faced in, in the past. What about our international travelers? Well, that's basically non-existent, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, with with the restrictions that are in place and and things like that, um, they're not able to travel right now. But one thing we're doing on the tourism side is uh, we're staying in the marketplace. There's a lot of our competitors. Normally, it's tough competition for us in the UK and Latin America and Canada because some of our our bigger competitors, are some of our neighbors to the east and west, they have a lot bigger budgets, so they can do make bigger splashes in those international markets than we can. Um, but they've been pulling out of those markets uh, with with COVID and with everything going on. We were able to keep our representation in the UK. We've been able to uh, have some some make some inroads in those markets where we normally wouldn't be able to. So that market share that we're gaining during this time and, and being able to keep those uh, reps over there and keep that presence in those markets has been key for us. And I think it's really going to pay dividends when those restrictions loosen up and people can travel again. We'll see. Uh, we'll see more of that share of visitors. And tell us about now. So, you talked about how uh, we have sort of narrowed in and and doing more local stuff mm -hmm. uh, closer to home. Tell us about the the first time that Polk County has ever actually marketed within the county. Yeah, that's that's the, you know, like I said, uh, with previous problems we've had and with just in general with the, with uh, with the tourism market and things like that. Um, we haven't seen that. We haven't had the need to do that. But now, um, with COVID and the concerns of safety and things like that, our thought was, and all the, the data that we studied showed us this, that 
we needed to make sure our residents felt safe going out into the re restaurants, into uh, into bars and, and into our attractions again um, before we could even start expecting visitors to. So we wanted to create a safe destination for locals uh, that they felt safe in, that then in turn visitors felt safe coming to. Um, so what we did, we, we created a campaign called the, the Be Sweet campaign. Our, our tagline right now, our current campaign is for the sweetest spot. So it tied in with that. Um, but it, it outlined five things that locals and visitors can do to, to ensure a more safe experience. Um, so, uh, you know, it's the things that we're all we're all so accustomed to doing in a way we're tired of doing, but that we need to continue doing masking up, washing your hands, staying home if you're sick, following the guidelines, things like that. Um, but, yeah, we did that to a local audience. We, we ran things in the ledger. Uh, on Hall Communications locally. We put up local um, digital billboards with this campaign, driving people to our website to learn what they can do, how they can do it. Uh, and and then, I'm, I'm looking at an example behind you, the clings. <laughs> I mean, the, the clings are everywhere. You see them in every restaurant and, right. and, and every the lobby of every hotel. So it, it's you know trying to do our part to help yeah. out. Yeah, you really have to do that as a destination now. You You can't just expect people to just come back without knowing what you're doing to help them stay safe. You know, they want to know, uh, and, and again, following consumer sentiment for about 50 weeks now, we're into uh, people want to know what you're doing to help their family stay safe, especially for us as a, as a primary family destination. We, with people traveling with kids, you've got to let them know, you know what's in place for them um, and, and what not only you as a destination are doing, but what your partners are doing as well. Um, so we've kept track of that on our website. People can go there at any time and see what our partners are doing, what we're doing as a destination. So hopefully it ensures that um, they feel that that sense of safety and confidence in, in choosing us as their destination for a vacation. Well, you know, I think it's a great idea, too, especially if you can get the local um, flavor, the local people mm -hmm. thinking about the safety and the things that we have to do in just everyday life. It makes it transcend a little bit easier when they start having uh, some of our guests start coming back into the destination, right? It just kind of dovetails itself all together. Yeah, and really, to be brutally honest, when, when all this started and restaurants were shutting down, uh, they, they were forced to shut down. We wanted to make sure they stayed in business so they, they were around for when our visitors started coming back. So getting our locals back out into restaurants, whether it was takeout or dining in, that was very important, too, to make sure that they... They stayed in business, so they were there for our visitors when they came back. Same with our attractions and shops. Um, so there was that was another piece of that puzzle of making that of, of putting that local campaign together. It, like you said, uh, Jack, it was our first time ever um, doing local advertising, tourism advertising, um, because our goal is to bring people in from outside. So it's not wise for us to spend those dollars locally because. You know, there our our goal and, and our mission is to bring people in, and we're funded by people staying overnight, but. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and that's where it came from. And uh, and I think it's worked well, um, and I think it'll serve us well now as people start to loosen up uh, their thoughts of travel and start at least dreaming of that spring or that summer vacation. Um, it, it'll put us top of mind, and, and they'll feel safer choosing us as a destination. Well, maybe spring vacation. We're kind of trying to Hopefully try to get them down too, here at the time. But we're we're looking <laughs> yeah. at summer right now as well, and uh, and both. But yeah, we want spring too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as recovery starts to roll out, I think people would like to come in the spring. They're, they're thinking about it. And as we get the vaccinations rolled out and just start to feel safer, it'll be um, perhaps something that'll change their thoughts. 
So, Chris, what trends do you see that are emerging that will influence Polk County's uh, tourism future? You know, I think, uh, again, that short booking window is one of those trends we're seeing. And hopefully that, that will loosen up a little bit. But I mean, we're, we're talking to partners, hotel partners, vacation partners. They're seeing as short as three days booking window. People booking just three days before they arrive. Normally, that's a month, two months, three months out sometimes. So uh, that while that's maybe a good thing, it's, it's also tough for us from a tourism perspective to, to track things and where, you know, it's tough to to plan out, you know, just three with three days notice that people are are, are coming for our hotel partners and others. So um, that's one trend that's that's different right now. Um, and then and again, just I think trying to figure out what that summer intent is. It's normally we know we're a summer destination. People flock to Legoland, Florida Resort, and places like that. This summer, we just aren't sure what to expect. But as the vaccine starts rolling out, and again, people feel more comfortable. Uh, I think uh, I think we'll see a little more confidence in summer travel, and we we expect summer to be stronger um, or as strong this year as maybe in in 2019. As 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 long as that sentiment and confidence stays up, I, I think we might be okay for a somewhat. <laughs> you can't say the word normal right now, but somewhat normal summer. Just a different summer. Yeah. Just yeah. Different. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Th- I you know it's it's downturns are always accelerants towards trends. So. You know the the you look at the way that online booking has has just accelerated. Everything accelerates with a with a downturn, uh, and and you hope that that three day window, that short window, isn't isn't something that sticks around because it's really tough for the hotels. It's tough on staffing. It's tough on you know all the little things that go along with it. But to go back to answer your your original question, Kevin, though I think another trend that's coming from that is. You're seeing a lot of, and we're actually looking at this for a summer campaign, you're seeing a lot of uh, accommodations industry partners that are giving discounts for if you book more than 60 days out, you get a, a discount. So I think a lot of discounts will be born that way of, well, hey, let's let's try to plan out our, our occupancy and our ADR a little bit further in advance. Um, and they can do that by maybe offering some of those discounts of, hey, you, you book further out, you're going to get a, a better rate. So. Are most properties holding uh, holding ADR right now? Is it is it uh, you see any take a dip or they're holding it now? But it, it definitely took a dip. Obviously, when things started out uh, back in March, April, it took a big dip. It started to recover some, but it hasn't gotten back to those levels where we'd like to see it. So that's that's something that we we hope that will improve is is the ADR because some weekends with you know I know uh, in talking about sporting events and things like that weekends. Our, our occupancy is great, but when that ADR isn't up there where it needs to be, then um, then we're still struggling a little bit for that recovery. So it, it's it's better, not where it, where it could be and where it should be. Hopefully, uh, it'll, it'll improve. And for those who are listening that may not speak hotel, yeah. Yeah. ADR <laughs> is the average daily rate. I thought about that after I said that. I was like, oh, maybe I should say what that is. And I had to think baseball. about what it was myself. Yeah. So yeah, it's we, the average we love, daily uh, rate. We love those acronyms. Yes, and, we uh, do. Yes, we do. Tourism rev par. <laughs> rev par. Nobody rev-par. knows what rev par yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what batting average and no, oh, sorry. It's, it's your it's your power percentage. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It's your power divided percentage. by walks and hits. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So we cover it all here on the Polk Experience. So. There you go. Yeah. It's a full experience. Is it what you it, it is this. a full experience. Yeah, I've learned. <laughs> Well, Chris, we really do appreciate you spending some time with us here uh, today and, and talking a little bit about some of the things that are going on in Polk County, especially from a tourism perspective, because we know how important it is to Polk County and all of Polk County. 
And uh, for those people who are going to be listening to us and, and understanding and knowing that uh, tourism is, is going to be okay, it's going to be a lava well here in the state of Florida, and it's going to be a lava well here in Polk County. So we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us here today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. So welcome back to the Polk Experience. We're here with uh, Neil Duncan now. He's the manager for sports and special events here at Polk County Sports Tourism and Marketing. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Glad to uh, to be with you both. Neil, how long have you been with uh, Business Central Florida and Polk County Sports Tourism and Marketing? Yeah, I, th I guess I've been back 15 full years now. Uh, when I say I've been back, I actually came down here in... 99 and did my uh, internship with Polk County Sports Marketing. Uh, at that time, tourism, the CBB was an entity and sports was an entity. Um, and it wasn't until some years later that it all came under uh, one umbrella. But at that time, did uh, did my internship with Polk County uh, Sports Marketing. And, uh, you know, I was from Indiana. So uh, it was, I actually got delayed coming down by a snowstorm. So once I got down here, I never left for obvious reasons. Uh, Polk County is a fantastic uh, place to to live and work. So uh, it's been a, a great opportunity. But uh, after working for the Convention and Visitors Bureau after my internship, I worked at the Bartow Chamber for a little more than six years and then returned, as I mentioned earlier, uh, back to tourism and sports marketing and have been back about 15 years. Wow. You know, I'm beginning to see a trend here. You know, we spoke to Chris a little bit earlier. He was also an intern here and you're an intern here. So I'm, I'm starting to see a, a trend. Yeah, no, that's that's been one of Mark Jackson's uh, core philosophies, if you will, that um, it doesn't make any sense to train everybody up and then uh, <laughs> watch them leave. And certainly <laughs> that true. happens. Uh, it's all about opportunity. Uh, preparation meeting opportunity, which we'll talk about in a little bit uh, when we talk about the kind of the state of sports in Polk County. But uh, certainly um, there's been a long history of, I think at one point, uh, more than half our staff were former interns. Um, and then if you look at some of the, you know, I talk about 15 years now, that seems like a blink of an eye. Uh, but uh, there's some, some folks here with uh, long-term longevity. Um, or longevity, I guess that's the same term, uh, but uh, some longevity here. And uh, that, that's really good for continuity, especially when you hit situations like what, what we've been experiencing with the pandemic, uh, or if you go back to the recession, and even back to the effects on, on tourism and, and sports after 9-11. So that, that institutional knowledge is very important. Yeah, it's a great trend for any, any company or any organization to have that long-term uh, sports knowledge or knowledge uh, institutional knowledge that, that you can retain in talent. So it says a lot for the organization to be able to retain talent for the length of time that some of you guys have been here. So, you know, or you've Neil. been- uh, Or Neil. Or Neil. And Neil. Yeah, so, and Neil. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. It's Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out check anytime. Check in, can never leave. Yeah, never leave. Oh, everybody so. tries to be a comedian and that's Jack's role. <laughs> <laughs> we think we're funny. We try. I mean, we try. We try. <laughs> so you've seen quite a bit over the over the decades, and you know when you start saying it like that you know, over the decades, you've seen quite a bit in uh, in in tourism and trends and things that are going on. And up to now, we've really felt like sports has been um, can't say recession proof, but let's say recession resistant. Um, how did sports make out during the, the pandemic this year? Well, I'll, I'll address the first part of what you said. And, and I know we've seen that not only in Polk County, but across the state of Florida uh, and some of your stops uh, over your career. And 
Um, we are truly blessed to, to live in the area that we do uh, and work with the people that we work with. And, and all that, um, there was no time uh, that it's been more true than, than during this pandemic. Uh, relationships have been important, but back to being uh, recession resistant, uh, I liked how you put that. Um, this has been different. I'm not saying that, that that hasn't held true, but it, sports has always been that because sports in this country have always been somewhat of an escape. Um, you know, whether it's your professional team watching uh, the Buccaneers, go Bucks, getting ready for a Super Bowl, but, um, uh, you know, it might be a three-hour window that you get a break uh, from whatever's going on in your life. And then when it comes to uh, yourself, maybe that break is outside and participating uh, in competitive events uh, or recreational events. And then uh, as you bring in your kids or grandkids or, or whomever that we're, you know, we're talking about in a specific situation, uh, providing that outlet. Long has it been proven that sports have been a good deterrent uh, for youth, uh, putting them in sports, keeping them out of trouble, uh, not idle, physically, mentally, all the reasons why it's a benefit to uh, not only to youth but to adults to stay active. Um, this was a little bit different. Uh, because how do you stay active with a, a once-in-a-century pandemic? Uh, so there was a lot of things that, that were done there. But to answer your question, uh, sports has fared uh, really well in Polk County, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, when this thing hit in the middle, early to middle part of March, as far as its effects either uh, in the U.S. or certainly in the southeast and, and into Florida and then on into Polk County, um, I'll call it the shutdown time. You know, when, when people were telecommuting, and some folks still are, uh, but not for us, but um, when folks were telecommuting, people weren't home watching TV. They weren't home t soaking in the sun. There was a lot of work that had to be done to ensure that Polk County was ready when, when the time came to resume, uh, resume events. And, and that came, I believe, at the end of May, first part of June, when uh, Governor DeSantis said, okay, we're going to resume some of these things. Um, and had our staff been just sitting around watching TV and enjoying the sunshine when they were working from home, and I, I use the word working, um, maybe more so than ever before, had the, that time not been uh, maximized, we wouldn't have been ready for that moment. And being ready for that moment um, is working the relationships with event organizers, uh, having a 20-plus year uh, track record of successfully putting on uh, high-quality, uh, great events in Polk County. And then you talk about the facility development side of things that uh, Polk County Tourism and Sports Marketing has worked with the municipalities in Polk County. Uh, you go get the demand, and, and then you... you you need the facilities for uh, for putting those events on. So all that foundation, all that groundwork had been laid. Uh, and then working with municipal partners, continuing those relationships to ensure that those facilities were going to be ready to go with health and safety. And I know we can talk about health and safety a little bit more, but there was an enormous amount of work that was done. Um, and, and I mentioned it uh, earlier. Uh, I really think that this, and, and please understand what I'm saying, nobody wanted COVID-19, nobody wanted a pandemic, um, but I think where preparation over the last 20 plus years uh, met opportunity, and that opportunity was whenever we were able to resume, the opportunity was to get it right the first time and to have safe facilities and to 
bring new dollars into Polk County and generate economic impact when people were suffering so much. So keeping restaurants and attractions and hotels and generating that foot traffic uh, into Polk County. So as you can see, I'm a little bit passionate about it. We could go on and on about the uh, the importance of this, but uh, to that point, I will say, uh, since we've been able to resume events, uh, we have safely done that through our municipal partners. We've safely done that through our event organizers, and we've safely done that because the foundation was laid years ago for what occurred starting March 2020. And in in 2020, we brought um, a new uh, piece of inventory, right, a facility online. The field house basically got up and running during this 2020 time period as well, yeah. right? Yeah. So that that's in itself is something different to to bring a new uh, a new facility online during the middle of a pandemic was sure. was a new opportunity. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that's a, that's an that's a great a great point uh, because when you have something new, you you have things to work out in the first place, uh, let alone. Uh, a pandemic and uh, indoor is a little more tricky than outdoor uh, as we've learned more and more about uh, the coronavirus and the, the spread and, and those things. So um, staff did an enormous amount of research. Um, you know, early on I resisted using the terminology, well, let's find best practices. You show me where there was best practices for a, uh, a right. pandemic like we were. <laughs> so a lot of it was taking uh CDC or other health organizations information, knowing the facility, working with the municipal partners and figuring out what would be best, uh, what would uh, ensure safety for the participants, the spectators, those facility employees that were there running the event um, in, into the hotels because research showed right away, not necessarily the execution of it, but, but the consumer sentiment was, we wanna know what you're doing in your destination if we're a leisure traveler or we're a, um, a sports tourism traveler, what are you gonna do in your location to ensure our safety? And so all those things went together. Uh, the field house, uh, going back to your, what you said earlier, the field house is like any other venue in Polk County or really anywhere, but I think we do a pretty good job here in Polk County. These events don't just show up. Relationships have to be built over long, long periods of time. And I think that, again, the reason we've been successful uh, in, in bringing events back to Polk County starting back in, in June 2020, uh, when we were able to, uh, from, from Governor DeSantis, was there was trust. There was trust from our event organizers uh, of us, of our facilities. And then that trust was then... Uh, stated, if you will, uh, to those folks coming in that are uh, trusting the event organizer to put them in venues or locations that are going to keep them safe. So it really took relationships and relationships, as you both know, take a long, long time to develop. So all those things came together. Um, and I feel like we were there to, to meet the challenge. So tell us a little bit more about that safety plan, because I think that's been a core difference with really our relationship with the municipalities, especially with Winter Haven. Again, relationships were important. And, and twice I've mentioned Governor DeSantis, but I think it's also important to mention our local uh, elected officials and their willingness to uh, re-engage in these activities um, and them having seen those plans through either their Parks and Rec or whomever is um, uh, managing those facilities uh, at the county level, the city level, uh, what have you. Uh, but it took a, a great coordination. Okay, what is the most 
up to date or what's the what's the technology that can that can be uh, used in the indoor facilities um, how can we work with the event organizers to uh, treat it more like sessions because in the past let's be honest when you're able to get as many games or as many whatever in to the the smallest window that's how you make the most money yep no longer the case so you have to have more time between games, whether it's spraying a dugout or spraying benches at the field house or whatever it is, we had to work with the event organizer. We had to set or work with to set standards um, and supplement those standards, if you will. So if you have an entity that's coming in under a national governing body, they obviously have the standards that's being issued by the NGB. If those standards fall below the standards of Polk County or the facility, we work with the event organizer to make sure that we're we're hitting that threshold that everybody needs to be at. Whatever the greater threshold is, we're hitting that threshold. If they are uh, an independent event organizer, um, at times they were calling us. Hey, what does your plan look like? Can we get a copy? This was not a time to uh, to. No, this is ours. We, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is proprietary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and you know, in the state, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's 20, 30 plus sports commissions across the, the state of Florida. Every Tuesday, we were all getting together on Zoom calls, because if if an event was to take place during that time period, not only in Polk County were we looking to postpone it, delayed impact instead of just canceling it because that was good for the local economy, that was good for the event organizer, certainly would be good for us. But if it couldn't occur in Polk County because of timelines or facilities weren't open yet, we want to keep that business in Florida. Because if you lose that business out of Polk County or if you lose that business out of Hillsborough County, but it can occur in Polk County, Florida wins because if that event leaves and goes to Texas or California, you know, wherever, another warm weather uh, climate, we may lose that event from coming back to Florida. So everybody worked together. Everybody was talking about health and safety plans. And I will say Polk County was a leader in the state when it came to taking the order from Governor DeSantis and moving forward and was ready to go. Some, some locations still aren't fully able to host events, which is hurting, obviously, the local economy because if those new dollars are not coming in, then it's not, then it's not benefiting the, the community. So health and safety was very important, and, and I would like to say that it's as important today as it was June of 2020. Uh, think of it in terms of uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You don't sprint to get this plan together and then forget about it three months later because you can't have a single incident that was preventable. But it's a key word there. Yep. That was preventable. Yep. And because someone didn't follow the plan or someone didn't continue to follow the plan, whether it's an event organizer, a facility, us, whomever, you have to make sure these are these are the new standards. And without ensuring that those new standards are met, it would put us all in a, in a bad position. But to, the, to date, that hasn't happened. I think that's a credit to everybody working together. Yeah, I think you I think you hit the nail right on the head. Is it that everyone worked together, pulling in the same direction, creating the opportunities for us to, as like you said, Polk County led the way throughout the state. I was on a number of those calls and uh, sharing of information and opportunities and, like you said, best practices. Now we have best practices. Yes, but, now we have them. Now we now, can use that we term. Have best practices, <laughs> but prior to that, it was just, uh, what do you want to do? Well, so. it, it, it's from entry point to leaving Polk County after the event. 
you know, and, and it's a lot of things that were now, now they're old hat, but then it was like, you got to do, you know, hand sanitizer. Good luck getting any of that back in March or, you know, all the things we all yep. went yep. through, but, um, local information, medical information, ensuring that everybody knows the travel restrictions. And if there's an area of, of the state or, or of the country that wasn't able to travel or, or vice versa, staying on top of all those things uh, to ensure safe events and sprayers for indoor facilities, sprayers for outdoor facilities. Um, how do you handle the water? How do you handle the coolers? Coolers are a thing of the past now. Everybody brings their own water bottle. How do you handle the parents? How do you handle the mask? What do you have there in case they didn't bring it? Working with the event organizers so they have extra supplies. So I could go on and on and on of all the things that had to be done and continue to be done to ensure safety. Fantastic, Neil. We appreciate uh, you spending some time with us today. We realize and recognize the fact that sports overall has been a great, great part of this recovery and will continue to be part of this recovery as we move forward. So thanks for the time. Thank you for being in the Polk experience. Absolutely. And if I could just uh, finish by saying thank you to both of you, but also thanks to our entire staff, uh, because sports has been able to over the long history of Polk County, in times like this, try to mitigate some of the losses. Um, you know, there's less leisure travel right now, business and, and meet, uh, business um, travel, meetings and conventions. So that's why we have, uh, and some communities haven't, diversified our portfolio. And our staff has done an extraordinary job. Uh, without the staff that we have in place, Polk County would not be in the position that it is right now. Uh, and their ability to recruit events and keep us anywhere close to being where we were a year ago or two years ago. Uh, it's been extraordinary. So I, I give a lot of credit to staff. Thank you. All right. Thank it. you. So welcome back to the Polk Experience. And now we have the distinct honor of having Mark Zimmerman here, who is the Senior Economic Development Manager here at Visit Central Florida. And uh, welcome to the show, Mark. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks. For, I appreciate you uh, having me on. Great. So tell us a little bit about your history and time here at Visit Central Florida and Polk County Tourism and Sports Marketing. Sure. So uh, I started out uh, on the sports side of the organization, um, spent a good part of my career over there, um, kind of working my way through um, just with recruiting events and going out and running events, you know, bringing in new events into our, our area, uh, kind of transitioned to leading our sales team um, for the sports side um, and did that for a good number of years. Uh, and uh, a couple years ago, I uh, moved over to the economic development role within our organization, um, which really works across the entire organization. Um, so on the tourism side, the visitor services, and the sports side, um, working a lot on facility development um, and uh, attraction of new accommodations and uh, lots of different activities, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, so, yeah, that's kind of a quick, brief history. Uh, you know, been here a little over 20 years and um, been enjoying it the entire time. So were you an intern as well? I was. Yeah. I uh, continued. Yep. Yes. Yeah. According to I believe Mark Jackson told me I was I was one of the first interns. Uh, there was two of us at the time. We were the first two um, interns he had ever had. Um, I did not stay uh, much like some of the others. Uh, I did not stay uh, and, and roll right into the organization. Um, I went to graduate school and, and worked at a sports facility on the east coast of Florida uh, before coming back and, and starting here in 99. But 
but 20 solid years here at, at Polk County in Central Florida Sports Marketing, and um, it, that's a that's a good run. Yeah, it's been quite the ride. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So tell me a little bit about how economic development and sports tourism blend together. Sure. So, um, you know, we really uh, probably um, – mid 2000s, uh, we had always been involved in, in lots of facility development or investments in facilities. Um, but uh, mid 2000s, we really identified it as a specific strategy that we were going to go after. Um, and a lot of it, especially on the youth sports side. Um, and so a lot of that uh, started with the Lake Myrtle Sports Park um, and the recruitment of the Florida Youth Soccer Association. So those, those two tied together. Um, to develop uh, what was three existing soccer fields into 11 soccer fields, the state the state soccer association, uh, and the vast majority of their events. Um, you know, they, that we were able to kind of pull, put, pull together a partnership between the city of Auburndale, uh, the county, ourselves, um, and Florida Youth Soccer to really, really create a, a – uh, we created a 50-year deal um, so long after all of us are gone, uh, Florida Youth Soccer will still be here uh, running events at Lake Myrtle. Um, and that really took off and, and set the kind of strategy to see and, and look at. I mean, before we, we, before we developed Lake Myrtle, we had maybe a handful of soccer events throughout the year. Um, I mean, three to four, maybe. Um, and, and they were mostly run by local clubs. And we, had other, we have other great facilities. But we have local clubs at those facilities who who really, uh, I don't want to say dominate the use, but that it's their facility too. I mean that they you know they're built there for them as well. So you know they really have. You, we had very limited time or access to soccer facilities, um, or any just multi-purpose type field. Uh, so really, that strategy paid off, and and Florida Youth Soccer, as part of their contract, has to bring a minimum of fifteen events uh, per year, and and uh, now they're bringing twenty plus. Um, per year to this facility annually, um, and the economic impact of that is just tremendous. So we we really knew that by doing that, we were able to uh, you know increase the number of events we were hosting. You can only play on on the same facility so many times before the grass is gone, and you have to give it rest, and um, you know, and, and you have to restart uh, and, and and do that. So the more facilities you have, the more events you can bring in, the more economic impact you're bringing to the community. Thus, the economic development side of it, right? So we're creating new facilities. Uh, we're creating jobs. We're bringing jobs here. Um, and we're creating new revenue coming into our, our community. Fantastic. So, so soccer came first. For some, some reason in my head, softball came first. Uh, so, so softball was really, I mean, we were involved with facility developments. But we didn't have investments in them. Um, so this was really, we had investments in facilities before Lake Myrtle. But they were um, they were larger scale. They had, nothing was focused on a facility like Lake Myrtle. So okay. we had investments in Tiger Town. We had investments at the Chain of Lakes Baseball Complex to recruit the Indians, um, and we had investments at the RP Funding Center, um, formerly the Lakeland Center, um, which uh, was at one point the um, the training home of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so that kind of kicked off our relation, not our relationship, but that. We funded a, a, a portion of the renovations there to allow the Lightning to train there. Um, and obviously, they've, they've since moved on. Uh, but uh, we, we obviously have continued a great partnership with the RP Funding Center to have investments. So those were, those were 
a little different, right? They, they, those were focused around professional teams um, coming in, uh, doing training. Obviously, then we had access to those facilities, um, you know, year round. Uh, the, the other parts of the year for um, for the different you know different mm -hmm. events that we would bring in, but um, you know this was really the first effort that was more of a grassroots focus, um, you know, and that really uh, you know it, it it's something that was uh, really pushed uh, to to allow us. Like I said, we we were doing very well, and we've always done very well in softball. It's it's one of our top two sports. Um, because we're blessed with some great facilities and some great partners who maintain those facilities to high standards. Um, and, and so we knew we could do the same thing in soccer. We just, we just didn't have access to facilities. Um, and, then, and then turn around and do the same thing in baseball. Yeah, so, so baseball was an interesting one, and I, I don't know as I want to get into all the details of how Lake Myrtle baseball developed, um, but uh, it was we, we started Lake Myrtle with uh, just soccer. There was really no plans for baseball fields here. Um, and some things happened that necessitated baseball fields very quickly. Um, and so we had been working for about five years to get the soccer fields uh, developed, uh, you know, through, through just negotiations back and forth and figuring out where we could do it and how we could do it. Um, but really the baseball, the first set of baseball fields took about six months. Oh, um, wow. So it was, like I said, it was a very quick very quickly necessitated us to you to garner some baseball fields. Um, and that was mainly around, um, uh, the rust mat event moving here. Um, which, you know, is, is, has been at its peak 270 college baseball teams. Um, uh, but we, we really, um, so it, it, the first events that happened here were baseball. Um, the soccer fields were still under construction. Um, and so they, they finished about six months after the first set of baseball fields did. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was really uh, a, a focus, again, of we needed some baseball fields. Baseball is our number one sport. Um, you know, we, we're bringing in more baseball. We have a greater impact in baseball, just in the like, youth baseball. You, you throw in the Tigers, it, it blows everything away. Right. Um, right. You know, and so we, we knew that, that we would need to expand at some point. Obviously, we did to get us to nine baseball fields here. Um, and we still have access to the Chain of Lakes, um, which has been a, a great um, – piece of inventory for us and hopefully will be a great piece of inventory moving forward and even more on the way yes so so yeah so <laughs> good segue there uh so we're currently working with the city of winter Haven. Professionals here. yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course try you are. it try it yeah, yeah. yeah we are uh so we're currently working with the city of winter haven to develop uh, uh design and engineering plans to um, redevelop the chain of lakes baseball side. Um, obviously, we started that out with the Advent Health Fieldhouse, um, which has been a great, you know, sim similar concept. We had, we didn't have a large um, basketball, volleyball, indoor type facility other than RP Funding Center, which isn't exactly set up great for volleyball. Um, it was okay for basketball. Um, you know, it's set up for meetings and conventions and things like that. It can be converted, but we really needed something that was big and inside. Anyway, I'm a little off track. Uh, but to get back to the baseball side, we're working on redeveloping, you know, that was built as a, the Chain of Lakes baseball park was built as a spring training facility, which doesn't always translate very well, uh, to a youth baseball tournament type facility. So uh, a lot of things, a lot of the amenities you would need for a youth baseball tournament just don't exist there. Um, so yeah, we're underway with that. Um, and, and are very happy with the, with hopefully some good progress we're going to make here soon. 
Um, in addition, we, we are working on four additional baseball fields with Poe County um, at Northeast Regional Park uh, in Davenport. That will be a combination of turf and grass baseball fields. Um, so we're excited about that. We don't really have any access to any, any fields that have turf on them. Um, these will be turf infields with grass outfields, um, and that they should be done uh, by next spring. Um, so we're very excited about those coming on board as well. Um, and that will allow us to just ex further expand what we're already doing in baseball um, and, and, and on the collegiate side on baseball. And, and do more with it. That's, mm -hmm. that's fantastic. And you, you mentioned uh, briefly the Advent Health Fieldhouse, which uh, we talked to Neil a little bit earlier, and, and having that come online during the midst of this pandemic was was an interesting exercise. Right. Not not great timing, but not great we, timing, we couldn't predict that. But it, but it <laughs> happened, and it and it worked. So to, you know, tell us a little bit about how that came to be, uh, because that is a fantastic facility in the city of Winter Haven that now recruits a lot of events coming in. Sure. Yeah. So we again, kind of through that process, like I mentioned, we we identified the soccer. We we had a need in soccer, so we knew we had that need in basketball or indoor indoor space, an indoor sports space. So multi-purpose space, large. A big box, right? That had, you know, courts that you could put uh, basket basketball. You put volleyball in there. You can do wrestling, martial arts. You can do just about anything that you would do inside in that facility. Um, and so we really started looking at kind of the same process. We looked at where should it be, who could we partner with, um, where where does it make the most sense? Um, we we took a hard look here in Auburndale um, at 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 the Lake Marble Sports Park and said. You know, does it make sense cluster all the sports together um, and and really looked at what we could do there? Um, in the end, it, we had a great partner in the city of Winter Haven who uh, stepped up to the plate. And uh, the great aspect about that was we were able to attach it to an existing building. So it it expanded the footprint of what we have there. So they have they have the the what it was formerly known as the Southwest Complex because it's in the southwest part of Winter Haven. Uh, and it was, you know, it's a, it's a community center. It's a community building that was built in the 70s, typical building, um, was in desperate need of updating. Um, and, and so that was completely renovated as part of uh, the field house being attached to it. Um, so that allows us to have meeting space as well, uh, uh, a boardroom type setting. Um, office space, um, you know, and throughout that, it, it really, I mean, the whole thing took a turn. We had been working on that project for a while, and then um, the Orlando Magic decided that they wanted to move their G, their, the D League at the time, but the G League now, they wanted to move their team closer. Um, their team was in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's not not real conducive to it's sending, closer. Yeah, yeah, not sending guys up and down, when, you know, on a, a, every other day, you know. And is Erie, Pennsylvania. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so they wanted to be closer that, and that's really the concept the G league has gone to is most NBA teams have their G league team close. Um, so that way, if a guy needs to, you need to get a guy in a game or you need a guy real quick, they're, they're an hour drive away maybe. Um, so it's something that they, that happened while we were in the midst of planning the field house. And so we, we looked at that we knew we, they couldn't play games there. They needed an arena. Thus the RP funding center made sense for them to, um, have their games at, but we said, you know, they need somewhere to train. Um, and what better place than this brand new facility we're building? And actually, we pitched them on uh, being part of the design process that that you were going to be able to to put in there what you want, 
um, not, you know, I mean, be part of it. You know, you're not going to get, you know, the Taj Mahal out <laughs> yeah. of it. It's a, it, it, I mean, it is a minor league basketball team. Um, but, you know, it was able, they were able to be part of that and they loved that idea. And that was really, they said, they told, they told me that, that was one of the reasons they picked Lakeland was the ability to um, be part of the train, the, the design process for their training facility. Right, right. What a great, uh, what a great opportunity for a brand new facility. And, and a great partnership that's, that's come out of it. I mean, the Magic have been good partners. So. Yeah, yeah. And for us, too, I mean, it's a, um, for those that, you know, you, for those of us who live here, uh, there is, there is, uh, there has been historically an east-west divide in our county. Uh, we don't like think of that way. We're countywide employees. We, we promote everything. But to have the Magic kind of span that as well. So, yes, their name is the Lakeland Magic, but they train in Winter Haven. Um, they probably really in reality spend more time in winter haven um because they're just playing games in lakeland um now there's more visibility for them in lakeland so but it's a great way for them to expand their partnership as well um and, and their brand across the entire county um and it was great for us to be able to kind of get the two cities working together on um you know comparing notes and contracts and um you know making sure that they were all on the same page when dealing with um the magic and, and finalizing the deal um, so it, it was a, it's, I mean, we, like Jack said, it was a great, uh, the great partnership that evolved out of it. And, um, I think everybody has been very, very happy with it. You know, I think this is an interesting insight as to how the economic development side of a, of a, a, a destination and area can, can really impact tourism in that area because the, what's being built, what's on the boards to be built in the future and, and, and where we are now with sports tourism and marketing here in, in uh, Visit Central Florida has all been impacted by this, this economic development side of, you know, building more hotels, right? Building more restaurants, all the things that support the infrastructure of having more people in right. the destination. And, and Kevin, you kind of hit on it. We almost did it the opposite way, right? So we, we brought more people in. Um, and then as a result, you know, we're creating that demand uh, for the hotels and, and for the restaurants. So as we continue to bring more people in, we need to have places for them to sleep and we need to have places for them to eat and, and, and all the other activities that go on, you know, and we, we want them spending more money in our county, um, and, and really, um, enjoying themselves. We want them to, you know, have things to do after they're done playing, uh, for the day, you know, and if they have a, a free night or if they have a free day, um, you know, there's several tournaments that we work with that they schedule a free day in uh, so that, that we'd love for them to stay in our county. And we know there's some really big attractions right next to us that they can go to. Um, sure. But, you know, if they can stay in our county and spend that money here, um, that helps our, our economy and helps our citizens. Well, Mark, we appreciate the time. And we certainly appreciate you uh, doing the things that you do and help uh, grow Pope County and, and uh, Central Florida sports marketing so that uh, we get more people in here and, and enjoy themselves. Well, guys, thank you. I appreciate, again, being, being uh, an honored guest on the uh, Poke Experience here, and so I uh, look forward to hearing it. We'll have to have you back sometime. You can, uh, you can come in and do what Jack and I do, which is basically sit here. I noticed that. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> yeah. It's pretty interesting. I did the vast majority of the talking. I, mean, yeah. I guess that's the idea, right? That's the idea. <laughs>
Welcome back to the Polka Experience. And right now we have an opportunity to speak with Justin LaFerrier. He's the Senior Visitor Services Manager at the Visitor Center here in Polk County. Welcome to the program, Justin. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to come uh, touch base with you uh, this afternoon. Great, great. So, Justin, we've, we've spoken with a number of the other managers, uh, mainly talking about tourism and some other things uh, here in Polk County. But why don't we start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history here in Polk County, and I'm going to bet, I'm going to lay the number out there, that Justin was an intern too. That is a very safe bet. That Hotel California. A very safe bet. I'm telling yeah. you, Hotel yeah. California. I, I want to put it on record, though, and I, I'm not. I don't feel slighted that I'm last because we saved the best for last, right? So, that's well, there you go. yeah, yeah. That's so, that's why you're you're last this yeah, afternoon. There you too. go. I'll, yes. uh, I'll take that. Uh, I'll sleep better at night knowing yeah. that. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, Polk County, my history in, in Polk County Tourism Sports Marketing, you're right, Kevin, I started out as an intern in 2007, um, came on my, would have been my spring semester of my senior year at Florida Southern College, so much like my counterparts at the managerial level, I think two out of the other three are uh, former moccasins as well, um, I graduated from there. Luckily enough, hired on uh, upon graduation and have worked my way up through the ranks, so to speak. I uh, benefited from some retirements on the visitor services side and quickly became the longest tenured employee on that, in that department and thankfully interviewed well enough to uh, become the manager at that department. Been with the organization now, like I said, since 07, so going on 14 years. Wow, it was quick too, huh? Yeah, it flies, man. It, it flies by for sure. I mean, with all of the different positions that I've held, uh, even, at least within that department, you know, uh, not in the organization itself, but it, uh, I've, I've tried different things. I've, I've pretty much held every position there is in visitor services, uh, now up, up at the managerial level, but uh, it's, it was fun. It's been a fun 14 years. Look forward to many more, hopefully. Well, now, we, we use a lot of acronyms, and we had to get a couple of things straight earlier yeah. when we were doing this. So we refer to it as the VIC, but it's the Kevin. Visitor Information Center, right? So, so tell us a little bit about the responsibilities of the visitor, Visitors Information Center and where it fits into the, into the tourism side of our business. That's a great question. It, uh, the official name is the uh, Central Florida Visitor Information Center, but we are affectionately dubbed the VIC within the organization. It's just, uh, it's easier as you all, you guys both well know that to talk in acronyms uh, in our organization, but uh, at the VIC, it's our charge to uh, attract visitors through our front doors and upon that attraction, engage with them with the ultimate goal of conversions. You know, for our organization, it's all about heads and beds and making cash registers ring, right? So right. our job is to get those visitors while they're in market or hopefully pull some leakages from our neighboring counties over to Polk County get them through our front doors and allow my team to engage and, and do what we do best, I think better than anybody else. And that's uh, informing, influencing, and inspiring that decision-making process to get visitors to go deeper into the county, stay longer with us, and spend more money while they're here. Now, this has evolved under, under your leadership. So this was something I wanted to make sure that we touched on, that yeah. you aren't just within one physical building. That's correct. Yeah. Oftentimes. Now, the visitor center itself is our flagship. I mean, that's kind of the face of the department is that facility. But we're much more than those four walls. I mean, our department is referred to visitor services for a reason. And we're not just visitor center. You know, we provide a multitude of different services throughout the county. 
I'll tell anybody that will listen, if I could get my team of seven in front of the five million visitors that come to this county, I would, because the numbers show that if you engage with my team, more often than not, 80% of the time, actually, you're going to spend more money in the county. So it's it's better for our organization, our bottom line. It's better for the residents of Polk County. It just improves the overall economic climate. So how do we achieve that goal if we can't get in front of those 5 million visitors and we do things like our collateral distribution program that has over 100 different touch points in the county at high traffic areas where visitors may go, hotel, motels, short-term rentals, restaurants, um, sporting venues, what have you. Um, we distribute close to half a million pieces a year through that program. So we handle all the collateral distribution efforts for PCTSM out of our facility. Uh, we also have satellite locations uh, outside of our flagship visitor center. We have one at the entrance to Legoland Florida Resort. Obviously, millions of visitors coming through their front gates a year. So we take that opportunity to engage with as many as we can, hopefully in, engage and, and inform them to turn left as they exit the park. Again, spend more money in the county. And we also have a satellite location at the RP Funding Center, which is our largest convention center here in the county, to hopefully, again, engage with those visitors and event participants while they're on site there. And I know we've had you come out to different events as well. Uh, we've had some of the staff come out. So yeah. whether it was Ironman or uh, different races, uh, you know, having them out there to, uh, to, to, you know, touch more of the people going by uh, has always been a great benefit for us. Yeah, that, you know, and I just made that note to myself. It's about the touch points, right? It's how many times you can actually engage with the, the right. customers and clients and guests that come into Polk County that, that is the important part of, of the, what you guys are doing over there, right? Engagement. That's it. It's all about engagement for us. And, how, and to use your word, or the word we've used a few times now, touch points. How many touch points can we get uh, that engagement? Can we access that engagement to, like I said, inform, inspire, and influence that decision-making process to hopefully keep those dollars within Polk County or hopefully get more within Polk County's confines. You know, and it, Jackie mentioned the event side of things, and we've, we've done that sparingly in my tenure as the visitor services manager, but uh, I think there's some renewed vigor, invigoration on that front uh, with, amongst my team and the sports and special events team under Neil to really integrate more so into those uh, sports and special events. Um, you know, I talk... Uh, again, I'll, I'll tell anybody that will listen, it's, if you think about the organization and, and the three main departments, not to discredit Mark Zimmerman and what his role is the economic development side, but on the sports and special events side, tourism, sales, and marketing side, they really, their job is to get people here, right? Get people into the county, either through leisure travel marketing or sports and special events, event recruitment. So then it's my job, my team's job, visitor services side, to really fill those gaps is, is how I describe it. And, and ensure that while those visitors and those event participants are in market, they have all the information necessary and readily available to them through a multitude of platforms um, so that they uh, can, like I said, stay longer, spend more money, and keep those dollars in Polk County. And hopefully that encourages them to keep coming back, right? So yeah. the revisitor is just as important as the first-time visitor. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I, the name escapes me now, but there's a quote um, – there's, I'm sure there's many quotes, but the number that sticks out in my head is 92% of marketing is word of mouth marketing, or word of mouth marketing is 92% uh, successful, whatever the case may be. Case in point, the more we can engage, the more we can get in front of visitors, event participants, the more they're going to talk about it, the more they're going to get on social media, the more they're going to tell their friends and family about it, come back, get their friends and family to come down as well. So it's 
it's kind of that that repeat visitation. Um, so if, if we can positively affect that experience at the right time in the right place while they're here in Polk County, more often than not, they're going to spend more money while they're here, and they're going to come back and spend even more money the next time. Fantastic. So I, I understand that there's a uh, about an app that you've been working <laughs> on. Why don't, you, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. It's uh, newly launched as of, uh, what, two days ago now? Uh, the Visit Central Florida Destination mobile app is launched, available for free download on the iOS, the Apple Store, and the in, uh, Google Play Store, the Android devices. But think of it really as um, a vacation guide, but more, more user-friendly, uh, more readily available, um, to the younger demographics that are uh, coming into Polk County, whether through sports and special events or uh, visiting, with their, visiting with their grandparents or their families or whoever it may be. Um, we just felt that this opportunity presented itself uh, with a great partner in Visit Widget to have this app, get it launched, and really uh, have it work hand in glove with our, our efforts on the sports and special events side to uh, in, integrate on that side and provide information across multiple platforms, whether in person, printed collateral, and now through our mobile app as well. It, it really acts as an extension of our, our team and visitor services to provide that information to hopefully, again, I hate to go back to it, but inform, inspire, and influence that decision to stay longer and spend more here in Polk. Sure. Well, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of money spent and set aside to help attract tourists to our yeah, area. Sure. And I think... Uh, you know, one of the things that gets neglected in most businesses is the services side. And I think that's one of the things that you guys have done so well is to, um, you know, take the opportunity. You said there's only seven in your staff, right? Eight, including myself. Eight. So, oh, yeah. so eight people. Well, you know, seven people are actually working. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I kid. I'm kidding. No, I know. I know. Right. He'll take that out. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's eight people on the staff and five million visitors to to the county. So it's a big it's a heavy lift. It's a sure. big lift, right, for you guys to engage everyone. So technology this year has really taken a, a front seat, I would imagine. Absolutely. So absolutely, you know it. In this industry, you you very well know yourself, Kevin, that it, if you're complacent in this industry, you're dead. So you've got to you got to move with how the demographics are changing and, and how they interact with the industry itself, whether that be on the sports and special event side or whether that be on the leisure travel side, you know, and it's, you'd be, excuse me, you'd have to be hiding under a rock not to realize that, you know, as the younger demographic starts to move and starts to get more money and travel more, they are more apt to communicate with you when it comes to technology. So we've got to move into that space and be more present in that space, whether it be through our mobile app or whether it be through our online chat service through visitcentralflorida.org um, or whether it be through our brand new mobile uh, savings pass that's newly launched as well. Providing those technological aspects from a visitor services standpoint is paramount to ensuring that we stay top of mind while those visitors and event participants are here in market and uh, they're getting that information and the way they know how to get it you know it, that that art of interpersonal skills and talking face to face like we are here today is lost 
on the younger generation to to a certain degree. I don't want to discredit or discount all of the younger generation. I I still feel I'm in that younger generation, but uh, being you are able compared to us, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being able to sit or go to a visitor center in my in my department's instance and and talk with an individual face to face and get that information that you seek. I don't want to say it's a dying breed because it's not necessarily a dying breed of, of travelers that want that engagement, but there's a more growing segment of the travel market that wants to engage through a phone or a computer or whatever the case may be. So it, it would be incumbent upon us as a department to ensure that we're meeting that demand as well in terms of a communication platform. How has uh, how's this year, especially, you know, we, we're coming off of, uh, um, well, in, in, in all honesty, we've come off a very difficult year uh, for a lot of people. Uh, how has COVID uh, changed the way that you're doing business? Or what, what came out of COVID that you feel like has helped your business and uh, the organization? Well, I think that's twofold. Um, you know, I think uh, COVID, because of obviously the lockdowns and the quarantines and things of that nature, I think there's more yearning for that face-to-face -face interaction as long as it's done responsibly, right? So obviously we've had to adapt with that health and safety component, which we've taken all the necessary measures at our face-to-face -face interaction and engagement points of uh, the proper PPE, the plexiglass barriers and all that good stuff. But I think there's a certain market that's yearning for that face-to-face -face engagement again and, you know, hearkening back to that nostalgic old days of being able to come to Florida, talk to somebody at a visitor center, get a free glass of orange juice, you know, and, and remember the quote unquote old days, so to speak. Um, but on the flip side of that, much like we touched on with the technological standpoint, I think, uh, again, we'd be remiss not to think that that's the best way to communicate for those that are still, I don't want to say COVID scared, but people that are taking it a little bit more, more I don't want to say more seriously either, because, again, I don't want to discredit. Everybody perceives things in, in their own way. Sure. But those that tend to not want to have that face-to-face -face interaction just from a safety standpoint with things like our new Visit Central Florida app uh, and our online chat service that allows us to engage uh, with those individuals that, because of COVID, uh, are hiding behind their screens a little more than they were pre-COVID. Well, you know, it, you mentioned something about the orange juice. When you said that, it brought back a flood of memories of me <laughs> traveling as a kid with my parents. And, you know, I'm from Florida, and we would go from North Florida to South Florida and stop at the visitor centers and, and get that free little cup of orange juice at the little uh, I-95 visitor yeah. centers. And yep, those are, that was my first stop into Florida, was, was the visitor center at I-95 as and, a kid. And getting uh, a cup of orange, orange juice. juice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it... Uh, it, we have to walk that fine line uh, as a visitor center and a visitor services department of um, really catering to our our client base, so to speak, of those individuals you would assume would be the ones coming into a brick-and-mortar visitor center. And that's what they look for when they come to Florida. Um, he, is, mean, he means to say people that look more like us. Yes. yes. I, I was trying I, I to say that. it in a nice yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to – I'm starting to get more grazed myself here, <laughs> you know. Um, but being able to offer that, you know, it, it it's almost like a rite of passage 
for anybody traveling to Florida is, is to get that little glass of orange juice, whether it be at the state line. And thankfully, our counterparts with the state are, are again offering that at their welcome centers. Um, but the individuals that come into the Central Florida Visitor Information Center and see that, hey, they, we have free orange juice as well, they, they light up. You know, those grandparents or their parents or whoever, even the kids, the kids love it. Um, they light up at the, the thought of being able to enjoy what is synonymous with a Florida vacation, and that's a, a glass of sunshine, really, is a glass of Florida orange juice. So being able to offer that and offer it from a great local partner like Ridge Island Groves is tremendous for us because it, it's kind of that really unique engagement point for us at the visitor center. People love the orange juice. It's a great product. But now we can use that as a deeper engagement and selling point of, hey, why don't you go down and check them out? The only place you can purchase the orange juice is there. Um, so it gets them deeper into the county to spend more money in the county while they're here, even if it's them just jumping off of I-4. You know, Ridge Island's only a few miles down the road. Go grab some orange juice to take home with you or to your final destination, wherever that case may be. But at least they're going deeper and they're spending more money, and it's a memorable experience, which is the name of the game for us, is creating those memories, creating those touch points that, that really uh, positively impact the experience to stay longer, spend more money, and come back and do it again. And you guys have you have a lot of uh, different things there too, right? So, you know, we, we've talked about the visitor center, the touch points, and making sure that we have the engagement. But you also support you also support a lot of local industries. I, you've got the candy, the orange popcorn. Yeah. Uh, what else marmalade. you got? The marmalade, marmalade right? Yeah. yeah. So you know, people who are listening to this, if they're local, they can still come there, right, and and Heck experience yeah. the visitor center. Yes, absolutely. What are your hours there? We are open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and we really encourage any locals that maybe listen to come up and, and talk to us and just see what there is because I guarantee you, I myself have lived here for now almost 30 years in Polk County. I wasn't born here, but I've been here, born in, or I was raised here, not born here, excuse me. Um, I'm still learning. I'm in the industry for almost 13, 14 years now. I'm still learning about what Polk County has to offer uh, across this 2,000 square mile county that we have. So I encourage any locals to come up and, and see what all Polk County has to offer, uh, especially at the visitor center itself. It's really a destination. It's a cool building to come check out. I mean, our purely Polk marketplace, like you touched on, Kevin, with the, the local fare from Webb's Candy and Davidson's and Dundee, Layton's Honey bottled right there in Haines City, the popcorn that's uh, produced in Lakeland, Magnolia popcorn, really showcasing these local vendors, these unique products that are in itself a memorable experience for Polk County. Uh, you know, we're, we're future home of the uh, USA Water Ski and Wake Sports Foundation Hall of Fame and Museum up there as well. Polk County being the water ski capital of the world, it felt like a great marriage mm -hmm. uh, to have the Hall of Fame within our confines there at the Visitor Center. And uh, I, I encourage it. you. Don't, it, we talked a lot about that nostalgic feel, that rite of passage for a visitor center and all that good stuff. You know, when probably those memories that you touched on, Kevin, of flooding back with the orange juice, you remember wall-to-wall -wall brochures, you know, and maybe a little old lady sitting behind a round desk and, and talking to, to whoever's coming in or doling out the orange juice, whatever the case may be. We really tried with the, the Central Florida Visitor Information Center to, to make it an engaging and impactful experience, much more so than a wall of brochures. So there's interactive displays. There's a pond out back with bass and bluegill. There's a 600-gallon aquarium wrapped in the old banyan tree from Cypress Gardens, a replica of the old banyan tree with a largemouth bass in it. 
There's a playground for the kids. I mean, there's really cool, engaging, Legos. and interactive displays. Legos, Legos, Legos of course. Yeah, Got to have Legos, Legos right? Have Legos, yeah. Got to have Legos. So it's uh, it is like I said, it's a destination in itself. So I encourage anybody listening to come up, engage with the team, see what else Polk County has to offer outside in your backyard, if you will. You know, and those individuals that do that really become brand ambassadors for us and act as an extension of our department and visitor services and really championing what Polk County has to offer. So they're telling their friends and family about it or any visitors or event participants they may engage with themselves while they're in Polk County. That's great. Well, Justin, we want to thank you and your staff for all the things Absolutely. that you do to help make Polk County great. And, and, you know, thank you for being on the Polk experience with Jack and I. And, you know, we hope that the message gets out there to people that, that they can uh, come by and experience the Visitor Information Center and see some of the things that are there. Whether they're traveling or whether they've got friends or family coming to the Polk County area, I think it's important that they stop by there and engage with your, your staff and the people that you're doing. So, uh, again, thank you for the time. Uh, we've been with Justin Laferrier. Laferriere. There you go. Laferriere. Uh, <laughs> Senior Visitor Services Manager here at Visit Central Florida. So thank you very much, Justin, and have a great day. I appreciate the time, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, guys. Well, welcome back, everyone. And uh, Kevin, I think if there's one thing we can uh, say at this point is uh, this year certainly didn't end the way we thought it was going to. No, it, it, it's certainly been a challenging year for tourism. And, and uh, even though things are better, uh, it's still a little bit of an uncertain future. So I believe that what we have heard today from uh, Visit Central Florida staff and uh, management is that there are a lot of things that are happening and in the works constantly to evolve and change along with the ever-evolving and changing world. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said it earlier, but you know these things, uh, whether they're economic downturns or natural disasters or whatnot, wind up being accelerators, trend accelerators. So we're seeing things now, the, the touch points that uh, Justin was talking about, whether it's technology that, I mean, that is accelerated. People are more into the phone than they were before uh, simply because of the, of the pandemic. Um, you know, these things move the ball along a little bit further and, uh, and the department is posing itself or, or has posed, poised itself to uh, try to take advantage of it as best as possible. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, overall in each department and, and just hearing how uh, development, economic development and how, that, how it lends itself to, uh, you know, tourism and what, what that creates and how it, uh, it all kind of dovetails in together with sports and with, uh, with general tourism and leisure tourism. And it's a very, very well thought out, very well executed, not by, by chance plan that Mark Jackson and his team has put together here in Polk County. When it works right, I've, I've, I've used the term a few times with him of a perpetual economic dynamo. When it works right, when you, know, you don't have a pandemic that, that slows things down or, uh, you know, economic disaster or whatnot. The, uh, you know, you bring in, you bring in more teams, the, the, the demand goes up, the, the hotels have to be filled, the restaurants have to be there to serve them, you bring in more, the demand goes up. It's a sort of perpetual self-moving machine when things are going well. Absolutely. 
So this has been a great, uh, great episode of uh, the Polk Experience. Uh, I hope everyone enjoys hearing a little bit more about tourism and things that have happened. A little bit a more inside baseball than inside. we normally do, yeah. Yes, yeah, like buying game stock. Yeah, yeah. Game stock. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Polk Experience.